Hey everyone, this is Klaus Kohlmeier, your host of the Unconstrained Conversation podcast. And since this is an unconstrained podcast, we're doing something different this week. Last week, Christy White, VP of Product Management at Noland, invited me to her live stream series called Bring It On. Christy and I had a very lively and wide-ranging conversation about the state of the industry, revenue management, and our outlook for 2021 and beyond. We talked about the shortening booking window, how flexibility and adaptability will be critical, and how to take care of guests as face-to-face touch points are limited. Enjoy this very unconstrained conversation, and we will be back with our regular programming next week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to today's edition of Bring It On. I am absolutely thrilled and honored to be starting my year with Klaus Kohlmeier from Ideas. So Klaus, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, my accent is from Austria. I am based in Minneapolis, where our head office is with Ideas. Obviously, I think a lot of people know Ideas. We're the um, leading revenue management uh, and pricing system provider in the hospitality industry. Just been voted yesterday at number one revenue management system by Hotel Tech Report again for the um, uh, for three years now. Um, so we're very excited about that. And I'm the chief evangelist, which means I do a lot of things like this. I talk to you and uh, a lot of people in the industry about revenue management, where the hospitality industry is going, what hotels need to be taken advantage of, or what the opportunities are, and try to spread the good news, which is what evangelizing all means about, right? Absolutely. Now, you and I have sat together on a couple of panels, and you may not remember this one, but uh, God, it's been eight or nine years ago, we were in San Diego at Alice mm-hmm. on a panel together about pricing and how um, you know paying complete attention to what your competitors doing are doing could actually be necessary, sometimes be a bad thing. And you had like the best, I can't even remember what it was, but it was the most intelligent thing I think I've ever heard someone say about it. And I followed up with, Look at it this way. If you're out there and you're paying attention to what your your competitors are doing, what if the guy across the street is an idiot? I got quoted in the San Diego Tribune and this beautifully well thought out thing that you had. And I'm like, he had the most just really wonderful thing to say. And my pithy, what if the guy across the street's a moron is what gets the press. And I'm like, if that doesn't sum up everything you need to know about the press, I don't know what does. Yeah, maybe maybe we should throw in more uh, swear words in conversations in general. Um, There you go. I'm trying not not to do that. So... In a million years, would you have ever guessed a global pandemic would have decimated our industry the way it has? Uh, no, of course not. Uh, it's been it's been devastating. I think it's the right word. Um, as as you have mentioned, I've been many years in the industry. I think over thirty years now, both at the hotel level, operations level, revenue management level level for um, large groups, and then with ideas, obviously on and off for the last um, thirteen years. So um, never, never would I have imagined anything like this happen. Um, I can't tell you how many friends and colleagues and uh, people that I know in the industry are without a job um, or have been furloughed or the pay has been cut. So it's been absolutely devastating. And obviously, looking at SDR and, and other sources, you know, that are predicting maybe 20% of the supply will disappear over the next 12, 18 months. Um, um, it's been very difficult for a lot of people. So I'm going to kind of veer off. As everyone knows, I always have questions because I don't like to have gotcha moments, but I am going to only because I know that you absolutely can answer this question. I think everyone was predicting there was going to be a little bit of a downturn for 2020. Um, 
so this I'm going to pivot into that just a little bit because we're all talking about when we're going to get it back to 2019. So as you've mentioned this, you know, loss of 20% of the supply, is 2019 the year that we need to be looking at as sort of our our metric of comparison for from a recovery perspective? Or do we maybe need to push back a couple of years? I think um I've always been an I'm I'm always an optimist. So I'm always a, a half glass full guy. So I believe there will be a period down the road where we'll exceed 2019. Um, I'm absolutely convinced of that. And the single reason is that there is a um, uh, 3.5 billion people in the world that are going to reach middle class over the next few years, and they're going to spend trillions of dollars on uh, discretionary spend. And and most of that discretionary spend is going to go into travel. So it's just going to be a question of time until we exceed 2019. Um, I'm not going to give you a prediction when that's going to be, you know. Oh, come on. You're just taking all the fun out of my day. Okay. okay. Maybe, maybe 25, maybe 25, maybe 26, something around that. You know, I hope earlier than that. Um, but I think, um, it's going to take a few years before we get back to that. Everyone is going to measure themselves against 2019, um, eventually, because that's, that's the, 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 the most recent high, uh, or the record, right. the record levels that we've all, uh, that we've all seen. Right. Um, I think it's going to take a while. I think that this this year we're going to see Q1, Q2 still being different uh, and difficult. I think Q2 we'll see some green shoots. Q3, Q4 will look much better. I, I would expect uh, by September, you know, as we go into the fall, things will look much back, much brighter and much better. 2022 is going to be um, uh, very positive, uh, big rebounds in 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 every area. And then 2023, 24, we'll go, we'll go back closer and closer to 2019. Perfect. So um, with all of this, with this decimation and, and, and devastation, demand has changed and possibly forever. So if I'm a hotelier and I'm planning for this lower Q2, Q1, some green shoots in Q2, what do I need to do right now to prepare for this change in the demand pattern? Yeah, I think uh, you're absolutely right. A lot of things have changed and I would, I would, um, Look at really understanding your micro trends. And, and somebody I talked to recently on one of my podcasts has mentioned kind of uh, the attitude of a trader, right? Uh, what does a trader do on Wall Street? They look at the stock market, they look at earnings announcement, they look at data to understand these trends that are shaping the, the stock prices. Mostly rational, a lot of it irrational right now, but uh, it's a different story. Um, and I would really look towards your data and, and the most recent trends and what can they tell you in a, on a very micro level about what is going to happen within your market, right? Which What has changed in your competitive environment? What has changed in your market segmentation? What has changed in consumer needs and consumer behaviors in all of your different segments? And how is that going to drive your strategies forward, right? We talked a lot about drive market versus fly market. We've talked about uh, leisure demand um, recovering much faster than business demand. We've talked about meetings starting to pop up um, here and there yeah, um, in, in some regions faster than others. Um, so all of these trends, um, also the, the, the way meetings are being held and the reason for meetings, no longer conferences and meetings, they're more retreats and maybe team building exercises and things like that, right? So, yeah. so, so the shifts, there's a many shifts are happening. Uh, you have to understand them at the micro level. You have to use data to make rational decisions. And then chart your way forward. Okay. But I, I believe summer. I believe summer this year is going to be look very much. It's going to look very much like last summer. 
All right. I'm hoping it's a little better than last summer, mm-hmm. but I, but I like the, the trend component of it. So another key metric, and we've seen this, we've had um, Katie Morrow from Travel from Amadeus. Sorry, I worked at TravelClick, so it'll always be TravelClick in mine at Amadeus on the thing. And one of the things that she brought up is how much the booking window has, has changed. So it's, I think 90% of the business is actually being booked inside of 90, inside of 30 days. And 70% of that is booking within a 72 hour window. Um, how should hotels use those changes to impact how they're functionally pricing their hotels? Yeah, I think there's a there's a huge operational issue on one side, and then there's obviously a pricing issue, right? Um, I've, I've talked to chief commercial officers at, at uh, medium and large size companies, um, especially in the fall and summer, and they've exactly confirmed what you said, right? They've seen the hotels going from 10% to 70% or 80% within 72 hours before arrival, and that, that actually caused huge operational pressures because they just didn't have the staffing to right. uh, deal with all that, right? Um, from a pricing perspective, you know, if you have an automated system or an automated tool, the tool takes care of that. The tool understands kind of when the demand is is coming in and how that demand is materializing and, and how it should be appropriately priced. Um, I, I, I know you know that we've uh, that a lot of hotels have actually managed to uh, take advantage of these high compression days and actually charge more and higher oh, yeah. rates than than they have in the past. We've seen some three, four star hotel charging for three hundred, four hundred dollars um, because the price sensitivity has definitely decreased for those for those um, high demand days because people who want to travel are going to travel and are going to stay in certain destinations no matter um, to a certain extent, no matter what the price is. Um, so I, we have seen great examples of hotels taking advantage of that and, and pricing far higher than they have in the past. Yeah, I've I've got a friend who manages um, a dude ranch, and they're actually they actually made more re- did ran more revenue in 2020 than they did in 2019 or 2018, yeah. um, and they would have considered both of those years as the best years in the history of the resort. Um, and 2020 outpaced it by about 20%. And I have friends who manage hotels down in um, on the coastal region in Florida who've said much the same thing where they, especially when they've got huge outdoor activities where people can can be can socially distanced safely, they're they're seeing a tremendous increases there and they're taking advantage of it as they should. Yeah, you see some already back to 2019 and beyond. So um, maybe uh, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, those are those are special things. But you know, we had Carol Helsalot a few we, a, a few months back, and she manages that. She helps out with a couple of hotels that are seeing numbers above 2019, because, and this goes back to your initial thing, they were paying attention to some of those micro trends, and then just stepped into that and just you know capitalized on that opportunity. And it, you know, it paid gangbusters for them. Oh yeah, yeah. We, I, I was. I remember a conversation I had with the chief commercial officer at um, uh, Campgrounds of America back in June, July. It's one of my podcast uh, episodes um, that's posted on our website, and he was mentioning all the research that they did in the spring during uh, April and May to really understand the changed consumer, and they put very specific marketing strategies in place to 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 specifically attract that uh, the campground consumer that is now no longer just kind of in the, in the next couple hours, uh, a few hour drive, but maybe, you know, a five, six, seven hour drive. And right. they, 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 they did some very detailed market research. They're very, very successful during the summer um, to uh, maximize the opportunities there. And, and in some instances did, did better than in previous years for that period of time, right? right. Uh, for the summer. Yeah. And, you know, and more power to them. I, I'll be perfectly honest that my idea of camping is a hotel without room service. But 
for those people who are hardy enough to go camping, you know, bravo. <laughs> glamping, glamping is the new camp. Yeah, I, so there's a place that I think that's out in, um, it's either Montana or Wyoming, where they have the the specially built tents and you've got your own bathroom there and, it, and your butler. That's as close as I'm ever going to come to mm-hmm. camping. Perfectly yeah. honest. My husband's aware of this. Fortunately, he doesn't want to get away from air conditioning. So it, it works. It, that's why we work. Um, so you've sort of addressed this, but I want you to dive into it a little bit. Do you think pent up demand will kick in this year, whether it's at the, the group level or the corporate level? What do you think about that? Absolutely. I think what what, what we'll see, and we've seen this in, in international markets, right? So we're Western Hemisphere, you know, in the worst of the worst situation right now. Just today, we 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 broke uh, the U.S. broke new records in deaths from COVID, um, uh, as, as some of the outlets have reported this morning, news outlets. In other in other regions, it's not the same story, right? So Australia, New Zealand, um, China, to some extent, up to uh, today or yesterday, did actually do pretty well. And and I was talking to our head of China um, last week, and. Um, what you see is when government restrictions are uh, removed um, right. or made less restrictive, immediately you see an uptick in demand, you see an uptick in searches, you see um, searches for cities and destinations and flight bookings go up um, almost instantaneously when the government says you're now able to travel again. So as more and more countries hopefully follow that pattern, um, as vaccinations speed up and, and we all get this under control, um, hopefully more in the in the Q2 and Q3, I believe there is going to be an absolute pent-up demand. And um, if it's not by the summer, then it'll be in the fall. Yeah. So it's funny because I'm actually currently on the wait list to get the the vaccination. All right. And wow. yeah. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> well, we'll see because, you know, I, I guess I envisioned that they were going to say, be at this place at 145. You need to allot an hour because it's going to, you have to get the shot and then you have to wait so they can check to make sure you don't have any adverse reactions. Apparently, it's not quite that organized. It's you get a, you be, need to be there at one and then be prepared to wait mm-hmm. um, because you may be in a queue with 2,000 other people waiting yeah. to get it. So that has stemmed my enthusiasm. But the minute I have these two series of shots, I'm going to be on a plane going anywhere. I don't. It, it, I might fly to Oklahoma and back just to leave the confines of Texas. Although, I, in fairness, I have traveled for business a couple of times um, since. Right. Actually, I think I've been. I've traveled six times since August. Okay. Um, so, and how was that? Was that all good? Um. Yeah. It was. Uh. Yeah. You know, I am. Uh, I live in Dallas, so I'm sort of a hostage of American Airlines if I want to fly direct mm-hmm. anywhere. Um. I'm going to honestly, as many times as I've talked badly about American over the years, I'm going to say that they're handling COVID relatively well, even on the handful of full flights that I've been on. The boarding process seems smoother. Um, it, it's, it hasn't been bad. I flew to D.C. a few weeks back, and um, I had not only the row that I was in, across the aisle, the row was empty. The row in front of me and behind me on both sides were empty. It's like I had my own little private cabin. Um, and I almost say, unfortunately, I got upgraded on the way back. So I had a person sitting right next to me and I'm like, I, I think I'd prefer to be back there if you could bring me booze. That's a first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm not afraid of flying either. I've flown a couple of times on, on, on leisure, um, not on business yet, but, um, I'm not afraid. I think it's pretty safe. I think the, the airlines are doing an amazing job and, uh, you can see it around the world. Um, so, so I'm not worried about the flying bit. Um, 
I just uh, you know feel it's it's probably not the right time right now to to spend uh, you know seeing family and friends at the moment. But um, yeah. I'm I'm happy to fly um, if I uh, if if I'm required to do so. Yeah. Now I will admit that my husband. We only had the three of us at Christmas this year. And normally I have my whole extended family here. So we might have 30 to 40 people. And after the thing was ever, my husband's like, do we ever have to go back to doing that again? Can it just be the three of us? And I was like, well, I'm going to tell you, it's a lot easier on me. So yes, I'm the change approved. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I have to tell you, I used to travel 200 days a year. Um, and all of a sudden that stopped last year. And I haven't, uh, I have barely traveled since then, and I'm uh, actually not too uh, disappointed about that. So yeah. um, it's it's not bad to just do things like this over the phone and uh, virtually. Yeah. So you know, you think demand the the demand is going to pick up. Um, what should hotels be doing now to prepare for it from a pricing perspective, marketing strategy, all of those things? That because now is that moment as we're starting to ramp up. That if you don't sow the seeds now, you're not going to reap the harvest down the road. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One, you know, first make sure that your systems and your data and 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 all the technology that you're using is really um, cleaned up. Uh, make sure your data is clean. You know, take the time to make sure that um, all the systems are working properly. If you can afford it, and if you want to upgrade to the latest technology, make sure that you have the latest generation of technology in place. Um, and then I would work through phases, right? Over the next three months, you know, determine. What is the business? What are the business segments that are most likely going to materialize for your hotel? Um, and how do you most likely attract them? What kind of shifts do you have to make? For example, um, uh, you know, logistics workers, construction workers, health workers, um, all these segments um, have not diminished, right? People are still right. traveling and they're still staying in hotels because they have to, um, versus probably large meetings and, um, and discretionary business travel is, is completely evaporated. Um, so focus on the on the segments for the next three months that that you think will have the biggest the biggest impact, and then look towards the summer. How are you going to attract the drive to leisure market? Think about last year what happened during the summer and which segment worked well. And I would put my right uh, strategies in place for that, both marketing and uh, pricing strategies. And then in fall, I would start looking at uh, are people willing to um, um, uh, commit to some form of meetings. You know, how is business travel going to stack up? Have some very detailed conversations with your corporate customers, how they're thinking about the fall and beyond, and start putting some um, very flexible, I think, policies and partnerships in place with those to help them bring their business back when they are ready to travel. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tug at that thread just for a second, because I was reading an article just recently, and three of the top five consultancy firms have lifted their travel ban. Mm, mm. Uh, and the, okay. Yeah. And the reason is they re they actually did a survey of their consultant customers and said, if we adhere to all of your safety protocols, would you want our consultants back in your facilities? And instantly, hundreds of customers came back and said, uh, tomorrow, please. Mm, mm. So they haven't made major announcements on it, but they're beginning to, to lift those at the customer's request to get that travel. It's nowhere near that transient travel, business travel that we're accustomed to. But it's happening and we're somewhat seeing it in our data where we're seeing a lot of law firms, accounting firms, all that services sector exactly. still having meetings because in, in some instances, they haven't reopened their offices. Yeah. So yeah. they're putting that cleanliness onus back on hotels. I'd rather pay you $500 than 
open up my office and have to have strangers physically in my facility. Yeah, and that's the other trend we're going to see. You know, as as eighty two percent of companies are going to allow their 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 workers to be more flexible in terms of work from anywhere, work from home. They don't necessarily have to be in the office. And that's a, a study by Gartner that was recently done. Uh, we're going to see different types of meetings, right? Companies are going to want to bring their employees together at hotels or conference centers or resorts for team building exercises, for retreats, to, to, to make sure that the organization is still connected, even though people work from home. So while people might not gather at the office, the, the hotel is going to be a great kind of um, secondary place where people can mingle and connect and network and do all the things you, you, you don't do around the water cooler anymore and do that in a more organized and, and structured fashion. So I'm absolutely convinced our company, you know, we're, we're looking at um, uh, maybe a second half of the year doing, doing things very similarly as we've been all yeah. distributed for the last 12 months and we haven't really spent time with each other. When is it safe for all of us to get together and start spending time with each other and networking and, and reconnecting? Yeah, we actually did. Our leadership team did this, did that same thing in um, in September in Virginia, and we went out to uh, to the Salamander Resort, which I think is actually one of your customers. It's a magnificent um, facility, and we went out and threw axes and drank some <laughs> alcohol, which I I'm not sure how those two should ever merge yeah. together, but yet we did it. And then we sat out by the fire pit and uh, roasted marshmallows and and drank a lot more and. Then the next day, the next two days, we had a meeting room that was probably twice the size that we needed so that we could all be six feet apart from one another. But it was it was nice to physically be back in the same place. And and I think we moved some things that we'd been playing with along a little faster because we were able to all sit there in one place and, and kick it down the road a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see, you'll see many companies do that. It'll just be necessary for them to reignite their, you know, their, their, their company's um, networking and, and culture. Yeah. Well, because at the end of the day, I, you know, I've said this a couple of times, sometimes it's not the meeting that is as meaningful. It's the the guy asks a really good question and you think I'm going to hunt that guy down after at the coffee, pl- at, you know, at the coffee table or at, a, at the bar in the bar at, over a drink. And that's where the next great idea is born. And that's how we move forward. So I think as a species, we do need to meet face to face. We just got to feel comfortable doing it again. Yeah, Absolutely. So on the topic of strategies, um, how should hotels be thinking, rethinking theirs for 2021 and beyond? Yeah, I think um, for 2021, it's all about flexibility and adaptability. I think, you know, you're, you're going to maintain your flexible booking policies and pricing policies. You're going to have to react very, very quickly to changes in regulations, changes in demand. Uh, you know, again, somebody told me that um, uh, from a from a uh, strategy point of view, uh, this chief commercial officer for a um, it was a short term rental company said, "I understand that the, the impact of demand of bar closures in Florida versus bar closures in New Hampshire, um, and I know exactly what the what what's going to happen when the government says they're they're now reopening bars or closing bars." So that yeah. he was able to to tie those two trends together, and you're going to have to do that for the rest of the year. I think you need to um, start thinking about uh, the, the, the price changes and, um, and strategies when demand starts coming back, when your revenue management system that you hopefully have tells you that you have a pickup that is, a, that is more than expected or your pace is running a little bit faster and make sure that you are able to um, have something in your drawer or up your sleeve that you can just pull out and say, I'm going to put this recovery or rebound strategy in place now rather than my 
my my COVID strategy. Right. Um, so make sure you have a plan in place so you don't scramble at the last minute and say, oh, you know, business is coming back. What do I do now? These plans should all be already formulated and um, and in place. Yeah, I, I was talking about the the COVID strategy. Uh, Mike Metzger was sharing a story with me. He is he works with a couple of hotels up in Bend, Oregon, mm-hmm. and they during the summer when they were experiencing this pent up demand, actually created um, a bike and beer tour. And basically, <laughs> you got you rented your hotel room at the ho- the room at the hotel. You got a bike rental, and then you got this tour. It was basically a beer pub tour. So you biked between the the places and you got like a sampler at every one of them, but it kept people outside and yeah. it actually drove a lot of demand for the hotel. So now's yeah. the time to start thinking about, do you have those types of things that you could put together packages to market? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and uh, you know, I hope to pick people up uh, when they fell off the bike, you know, midway through the tour. But uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't bring that up. But that was my that was absolutely my first thing because I'm like, can I just walk it? Because I'm not really a biking kind of girl, but you know, I can do it. I just don't enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I read an interview with my good friend Raymond Bermolan, who's the the general manager of the Intercontinental San Francisco yesterday, and he he was saying that they had to convert. Um, uh, more of their parking spaces because of all that drive business. They had they weren't able to have uh, accommodate all the the cars all of a sudden that people had because they weren't flying anymore. So you have to look at the entirety of your business. You have to look at the community around you and see how you can partner with them. And we've seen great partnerships. And and you have to make sure that you have a plan for now for the next six months, and then you have a plan for the I call it the rebound plan. Right. Um, and uh, make sure that's all in place. So you could just pull that out and implement it when the time's right. Yeah. So I did want to bring up this comment from Alicia. Um, this said her husband is a CPA and he's on a business trip this week because they've closed their um, the uh, the activity. And then I'm going to bring up this other one because it's funny. Um, so he's concerned about the activities I combine with alcohol. Uh, if it makes it funnier for you, Jeffrey, it's dry since January for me. So I've not had a drink since the first of the year. Um and after the last couple of days, I have joked that I may not make the rest of the month, but it is my goal to make. I do it every year. I give up alcohol, all alcohol for the month of January. And um, but a really good case of wine came in last night. And I'm like, oh, it's, I just want to go have a just a, just one glass, just one glass. Um, but it's never just only, one glass when it's yeah, a good Only, when it's a, good only a few more days, only a couple more weeks. I got to get days. through a couple more weeks and we're all right. good. OK, right. so there's a lot of change that's going on. And, you know, to some extent, you know, we talked about there was going to be this, this bust in the, this burst of the bubble in 2020. Anyway, COVID accelerated that. And I think for tech companies like ours, it also accelerated some of the processes that we were looking at overhauling and, and, and go through it. Um, What part of what's going on now and the changes that we've seen, do you think are here to stay? And what changes do you think we should hold on to is just good hygiene? And I don't mean hygiene in the sense of cleaning stuff, just good business hygiene. Um, I would say the first thing is automation, right? We talked about automation. We talked about the, the convergence of all these technologies. We talked about, you know, hotels using new new data platforms. I was at a SCIF conference this morning or actually uh, kind of a, uh, a trend overview this morning and uh, one of the presenters said um, the hospitality industry was forced to get into the 21st century through the pandemic. Right, a lot of the a lot of the technology was already there, but but um, I think now uh, 
customers demand mobile, customers demand efficiency in technology, how to interact with hotels, right? They demand chat functionality and all these other things. So from, from our perspective, what we have seen is um, uh, a lot of companies using this time to invest in the next and latest generation of, of technology. Right. Um, and for us, that's revenue management and pricing, but we've seen that across the board for other technologies as well. They're, they're using the time to say, well, we, we're going to rip out the old, bring in the new, because we understand that in 18 months time, when uh, demand starts to come back, we want to be absolutely ready to take advantage of that, and we don't want to be left behind. Uh, we've seen other companies that obviously have difficulty financially and they're not able to invest. And the risk is that if you're in that situation, in 18 months, two years time, you might find that you um, that there's a, a significant gap between the technology that you have and technology that others have when, when the when demand starts coming back. Well, and the other thing that comes into that, Klaus, is right now, you you know, you may only be at 30%, maybe 40% occupancy. You can work out all the kinks while you mm -hmm. don't have mm -hmm. a full house. So by the time we get back to full houses, you've got all of those kinks worked out. And it, this is just a well-oiled machine that we're going into. And anytime yeah, and, and, you institute <clears throat> new, new technology, there are always kinks. Absolutely. And, and it's not just the Kings. It's also, um, you know, a lot of it has been centralized, right? So yeah. we've seen a huge shift of uh, decision-making power and responsibility moving into corporate offices from the hotels. And that's a new, that requires a lot of change management. Um, we've rolled out a whole slew of new features and new functionality and innovation over the last six months to make sure that, the, you know, the systems are reacting appropriately to any demand shifts. Um, and we've accelerated that and we've put more money into Areas like operational forecasting and total revenue management and total profit optimization, because we feel that those are the areas that are going to need the biggest help um, over the next coming months. Because um, the other big shift that's that's been happening is, as you said, if hotels run at 30 percent, um, margin management and profitability and profit optimization is, is more critical than ever. Because um, most important thing is, you know, you have to pay the lender at the end of the. At yeah, the, you're still uh, going to write that check month, every right? month. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because, I, you know, I'm that rare customer that I like the mobile check-in. I, I like to not really have to deal with the front desk if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But I, as I mentioned, I've traveled six times over since August, basically. And one of those, we stayed in Airbnb. It was two couples meeting in a centralized location. So we wanted the, the convenience of being in our own place. But the other times I've stayed in hotels. And one thing that I've noticed and I do think that hoteliers need to be cognizant of this is um, we still have to keep the service in hospitality, even though we're we're finding new ways that automate a lot of our processes. At the end of the day, our sale, our, our people at the front desk still have to be able to carry on a functional conversation. I, I stayed in a hotel about a month ago. And I, and in fairness, I had checked it on the mobile app. So all I was really having to do was hand in my credit card and pick up my keys. She didn't say a word to me. I said, mm. my last name is White. I'm here to check in. I've, I've already, you know, I just need to pick up my keys. The only thing she did was point that way to point the direction to the elevators. I stay in this hotel a lot. So I already knew where the elevators were, but not a welcome to my hotel. Um, here are the services that we're not offering at the moment, but here's how we're, here's how we're solving that, that pain point for you. It was literally a, you know, that way. Mm -hmm. And that frightened me if, if, because you can't, 
you can't see the face anymore. You can't see the smile that would you would assume as a welcoming. And I think that's something that hotels need to probably pay a lot more attention to than we normally do. Yeah, I always feel technology allows us to come closer or to get closer rather than apart, right, um, in, in many instances. And I think hotels can absolutely use the technology to their advantage, right? If I know if I know more about my customer, I know more about your preferences, I know more about your arrival times and, and that you have arrived, you can do a lot with that data and with that information to create a much better experience, right? Even if, right. like, I, I don't stop by at the front desk because I usually stay at hotels that have mobile uh, keys and I walk straight up to my room and then I, I, don't, I don't stop by at the front desk at all. So, um, but I still get a text or I still get a chat or I still get a call um, often at the at my in my room saying, oh, we just saw that you arrived. How is everything? Is your room okay? Right. So right. there's opportunities to create these touch points, which are incredibly important. Um, and I agree with you. It's 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 still a lot about hospitality. Yeah. Um, and it's int- so another thing that I actually enjoy is they're not servicing rooms every day. And mm-hmm. I, I hope that stays forever because I'm the girl that immediately puts my do not disturb sign. I make my own bed in hotel rooms. I hang up my towels and it drives me insane when they have the signs that says, you know, please conserve mother nature, hang up your towels. If you don't want the, you don't want a fresh set. And then I get mm-hmm. a fresh set. Um, so I personally hope that that stays until the end of time so that no one ever enters my room again, but that might. Yeah, I, think it's about, I think it's about flexibility and options, right? Um, I agree with you, right? Not everyone needs to turn down service every day. Um, some people like it. Some people don't. I remember a conversation where somebody said we we didn't do it. And then we had so many people asking for it that we actually redid it, re, reinstalled it. Um, I think the partnerships, um, I hope that we'll continue to see for food delivery. I think it's a, it's a great. It's great for a guest to not just have to rely on room service or restaurants, but you can bring your, you know, Uber Eats or or um, any other uh, restaurant ordering service in. And I think hotels should partner with these companies to, for some revenue sharing um, down the road. I think there's some opportunities uh, in, in many different areas, right? Uh, ghost kitchens are one that I've talked about for the last couple of years where hotels can convert their, 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 um, their space into ghost kitchens and then run multiple restaurants virtually out of their kitchens and, yeah. and offer them for um, uh, for delivery services. I think there's lots of opportunities to partner with these, these new emerging technologies and services and make the stay experience better. Um, better look, um, again, looking at the community and mm-hmm. what, what guests want rather than just saying, I'm a hotel and I have to own everything and I have to do everything um, that I used to do in the past. Yeah, one of the hotels that I stay in in DC, their restaurant's currently closed and they've partnered with DoorDash and they exactly. made it even more fun because their employees have curated their favorite restaurants that deliver to the hotel. Perfect. Yeah. So when you pull up that restaurant, it'll say, you know, Katie um, recommends this dish. And that right. was just a lot of fun for me because they were restaurants. And I go to DC before COVID, I was there every other week. It was a second home. And it was nice because I came across a couple of restaurants that I had never heard of. And I've been coming there for two years every other week. And I'm like, I don't even know this exists. And they were real restaurants. They weren't ghost kitchens. Um, <laughs> so because I, I, we did get conned into ghost kitchens and we got Chili's wings the other day. They were uh-huh. still good. Don't get me wrong. But then I found out they were from Chili's. I'm like, I could have picked that up. Um, right. So I read some airlines may require proof of vaccination for travelers in order to fly. Do you think this will be an idea for hotels, especially international hotels? And on a side note, Victor is going to stand in line for his vaccination. <laughs> 
Um, proof of vaccination. Um, I'm not sure if I want to be that specific. I think we've seen with Common Pass and, and other initiatives that there is going to be some form of identification, um, which I, I don't think airlines can make mandatory. But I think it'll be easier, like, just like today, it is easier for you to travel if you're a, uh, a TSA pre-check, right? The, you will, will you will see that airlines will make it easier for you to travel if you are if you're willing to share your information, and that might be information on, you know, um, have you been vaccinated or have you had COVID before, or you know, your negative test results or, or test results in general. Right. So just like pre-check is not mandatory today. Um, I don't think they'll make it mandatory, but it'll make it easier for you to travel, and the value will be such that you will be willing and 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 uh, very happy to share your data because you know you will get a better experience as if you if a, bit, yeah. a better experience if you do that, right? Well, um, and you're already seeing that into some in the few countries we can travel to as Americans yeah. that you know you you can travel if you've shown that negative that negative test right. or right. if you can travel there's no need to quarantine because you've shown yeah. the negative test so i think yeah, you're you actually see that right there and you see that with airlines right um, delta has started uh, a covid free flight between certain locations which means everyone shows up with a negative test and then everyone in the plane knows they're negative and then um, they, they, i think they fly from jfk to rome and then you get out in rome you don't have to do quarantine right so yeah. it makes it easier for you to travel some people might just say, okay, I'll do it. I'll share my information. I'll share my vaccination status or my test results. Um, they won't make it mandatory, but it'll, it'll, it'll create big value for the people that, um, uh, that I think a lot of them will be, will, will be willing to give up that information. Uh, I'm right there. I'll give it up. I, <laughs> I want the vaccine. I, I happily, yeah. if it means I can travel somewhere, I'm yeah. I'm all for it. Listen, I'm I'm global. I have global entry. I have pre-SA, TSA pre-check, and I have all the things. The government knows everything about me, so I'm um, I'm happy, and and it it helps me move through travel much easier and quicker and more efficient. So well, I, I'll I add to that. I'm I'm with you. I have global. I have the TSA pre-check. And I have dual citizenship. So there were many, when I was traveling overseas with TravelClick, there were many times I traveled on my British passport versus traveling on my American passport because it was easier to circum, you know, to go through some of the things there than it was Absolutely. to, to yeah. be in a, a U.S. Set traveler going in. Right. Um, so normally at the, as we start to wind down, I ask the prognostication question. You've already said you're not going to do it. And then you turned around and absolutely <laughs> did it. Um, so my question is, I'll, I'll kind of spin this a little bit. If you owned a hotel right now, what would you want your, your team to be doing? Stay safe and healthy, first of all. <laughs> Good answer. Um, I, for my marketing team, I would go and tell them, find find me the customers, right? And and back up your decisions or your recommendations with um, objective data. Don't work on your emotions. You know, use your use your data and um, and as many data points as you can get to back up your recommendations and your strategy. Um, I think your operations team. You know, I would I would tell them make sure that you're taking care of the customer, even if you don't see them. As I said, there's lots of touch points that you can create and lots of lots of instances of great service that you can provide even if they go in you know, uh, through mobile check-in and check-out and all that. Um, I think my bank, I would tell, can you please be patient? And, uh, and if I have any investors, I would tell them, uh, please be patient as well. And I would work with the community around me to see what kind of partnerships I can establish to, um, um, to create the hotel, make the hotel kind of a hub 
and um, and work within the the community at large rather than just looking at my hotel as this this island that's you know in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, um, and that's actually oh, so I forgot that, revenue management. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, revenue management. Those poor guys just got left to wander the desert. I'm going to th- look at it that you think that revenue managers are just so smart. They've already done all the things. But yeah, please give us what you want the them to system. do. We have the number one revenue management system by ideas <laughs> and uh, and all the other things. So um, the revenue managers, I would rely on them to really come up with the right pricing strategy for the short term, medium term, long term, looking at the competitive set, looking at the data that they have and, and making sure that we're properly set up um, to react very quickly when, when demand comes back. See, now that that was perfect. You didn't leave them to wander in the desert. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I had a question and then I just completely forgot it. Um, actually, no, I'm going to give you some time to, I, I, I'm, I must say in advance, I'm a huge fan of your product. Like, couldn't possibly love it if more if I tried. Um, so I, I'm going to give you, because we're running a little fast here, I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. What, what exciting is going on at, uh, at Ideas these days? Well, um, where do I start? <laughs> um, I think we had a very busy year. Well, everyone had a very busy year, right? The first, the first half of the year, um, I would say Q2, Q3, was really spent on making sure our customers are uh, properly supported. We spent a huge amount of time interacting very closely and, and coordinating very closely with our 14,000 hotels around the world, make sure that their, the system works properly for them. So we had we had to go and make some changes to our algorithms and your and, and our analytics and and all that stuff to make sure the system um, understands what's going on. We very quickly decided, actually, right in the beginning uh, beginning of March, we said we're not going to lay anyone off, we're not going to furlough anyone, we're not going to cut anyone's pay. We're going to reinvest to to accelerate some of our development. Um, so we 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 accelerated development in what we call Ref Plan, which is which is uh, operational forecasting and total revenue management visibility. Um, so that's a tool that uh, that you can use to understand all of your revenue streams and forecast your entire hotel's revenues. Um, we are going to talk more about um, uh, intelligence and uh, analysis, analysis in the first quarter and, and about profit optimization. I'm not gonna say more about that uh, at the moment, but over the next few weeks and months, you'll hear more about profit optimization um, and how we are uh, addressing that. Um, and we've also made some very big investments in in technology, um, setting ourselves up for the for the for the next three to five years in terms of technology platform and and kind of what we can do in revenue management and pricing. Can't say more to that at the moment, but we'll, you'll hear more of the next maybe six eight months. Well, that. I absolutely look forward to it. Um, what many of you may not know is that Klaus and I also worked for competitor companies at one point, and mm-hmm. I can still say that I love ideas. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But they were also one of my favorite competitors to go up against when I knew that we were pitching against them. Uh, Klaus, any final words that you have for everybody? Something that you just they if they do nothing else, do this. No, I'm you know I'm very passionate about the hotel industry, and I know things are very very hard right now. A lot of people are suffering. Not many people are traveling. I am 100% convinced we're going to get get out of this, and we'll bounce back, and we'll be stronger than ever. Um, over the next few years, it seems uh, very black and bleak right now. Um, but hold in there, hold uh, hold tight, and uh, you know, bat, continue to battle down the hatches. And and uh, next year, if we do this conversation again, I'm sure uh, things will look very very different. 
Fantastic. So we are wrapping up. If anyone has any questions, drop those into the chats right now. Um, do you have any personal travel that's coming up? I am considering maybe a trip to Europe um, in the next couple months. The snow has been amazing in Europe and there's not many tourists that can go into my home country, which is Austria. So I'm thinking, should I just hop on a plane and maybe uh, spend some time in uh, risk, you know, spend some time in quarantine and then uh, hit the slopes there. I'm not sure yet if that's going to happen, but it's just an, some idea that I have. Um, other, other, other than that, you know, if I don't do that, then I might just go skiing here in, uh, in the U.S. Yeah, well, we have skiing here. It's, you know. I know, I know. It's just I, different. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, we have a mutual friend. I think, you know, Dan Skodel. He broke his leg yeah. last weekend skiing. Um, I yeah, I told him that's why you have to stick the landing. And uh, <laughs> and is this one of the, actually, when he first posted the picture, I was like, is this one of those you should see the other guy stories? And, uh, and he goes, no, this is just sheer Dan stupidity. So, you know, it works out nicely. All right. It doesn't look like we have any questions. Klaus, as always, it's a pleasure to chat with you. You gave us a lot of useful Same. information. Thanks for your time. And uh Everybody stay safe. Get out there and start making some sales calls because business is going to return sooner rather than later. And it's the person out there trying their hardest right now is going to, they're going to the ones that are going to recover the fastest. Great talking to you, Christian. Thanks for the invitation. Love it. Thanks. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes, link to the episode, help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating. And don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.